0: You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hello, please let me see your ticket stubs for the double-edged double bill. This week, buddy cops, samurai cop, and officer alien are on the case. I'm Thomas and Thomas Mariani will come to the table to discuss the randomly selected yin and yang of a double feature. Then, both will have to pick a number between 1 and 10 in order to seal their fates for the next episode. One will have two good movies, the other two bad ones. Let the chaos begin. And I am Adam Thomas, an old nonsense decorated podcaster who play things by the book.
1: And I'm Thomas Mariani, a renegade podcaster who doesn't play by any sort of rules.
0: You're reckless, Mariani.
1: You're square, Thomas. But, but I, guess I guess we'll, we'll have, have to solve, solve this case, case together, together
0: anyway. anyway.
1: Fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, welcome to the Double-Edged Devil double Bill, uh, where we uh, really get into our meaty roles, as it were. But it is, in celebration of what we're doing today, is Buddy Cop Films in honor of Bad Boys for Life coming out, which weirdly has gotten a lot of good reviews. It baffles me. It's insane. <laughs> I mean,
0: is it just nostalgia reasons, or is this actually going to be a good movie? I, I don't know. Because one was fun. But it's also very dated. Two is insane over the top Michael Bay craziness.
1: Two is literally the best and worst of Michael Bay isms all at once.
0: I think so. I mean, there's the helicopter shots, the, you know, the driving through the favelas, the fucking crazy camera
1: angles, two guns, all that shit. The, they literally destroy Cuba in that movie. <laughs> I know.
0: And how'd they get over there and get all these guns and everything? What the fuck? Anyways. Right, we should talk about um, that
1: voice too at some point. It's a fascinating film. <laughs> For sure. It really is. Yes, yes it is. Uh, But um, we're not talking about any of those three films today, but uh, we are talking about two buddy cop films here. uh, Last week at the end of our show, if you're new here, Uh, each week Adam and I uh, each have two movies, uh, sometimes... I have two good movies, sometimes Adam has two bad movies, or vice versa, and uh, we assign both those movies that we have, uh, for whatever quality, a number between 1 and 10, and uh, then at the end of the show, the other person picks number between 1 and 10, and we get closer to whatever good and bad choice we end up getting, and, and in the case of last week, uh, we end up getting, for Adam's good pick, Alien Nation, from 1988, and uh, we ended up getting my bad pick of Samurai Cop, from 1991, and uh, both fit in the buddy cop genre, and... um We've actually been, like, in the car to do this episode since, like, the beginning of the show. This was, like, one of the first things we thought about doing. We just never ended up getting Uh to it until the time was right and now seemed like a pretty good time. Are you a big fan of the the subgenre then, Adam? I
0: definitely, definitely was growing up. There was the Dragnets and, you know, Alienation as I chose and Beverly Hills Cop, 48 Hours. There was all these great ones. And then, you know, in the in the 90s, you got Rush Hour, Lethal, Lethal Weapon movies, all those. They're all great examples of the genre. Uh, but they just don't make them anymore, really. I mean, they do, but they're like either Hollywood Homicide or straight fucking streaming, and they're garbage. So you don't know watch Hollywood Homicide is also garbage. But you don't really get them anymore. But yeah, I used to love buddy cop movies.
1: Well, yeah, because um, I, I can probably see why, because I still remember... Uh, do you remember that one with Jake Johnson and Damon Wayans Jr., the uh, Let's Be Cops, when that came out? That was. Oh, was, yeah. I, I remember that distinctly because that came out, I think, a couple weeks after Trayvon Martin, all that shit happened, and I'm like, oh, that's why this isn't going to happen that much anymore, because <laughs> it just feels like a reckless cop genre picture kind of thing doesn't feel as fun, maybe, in a modern context.
0: Yeah, and I'd argue it's still not very fun at all. The idea of a loose cannon police officer, yeah, no, no, don't want that.
1: I think honestly, that genre kind of like hit its sort of apex where it's like, I don't know if you can do much more with it after the two Twenty One Jump Street movies. I don't feel like you can do much mm-hmm. after those two, just like completely satirized and skewered that genre too. It's like it's like the airplane, where it's like you can't do another airport movie after that. Yeah,
0: that's true. It's a complete deconstruction of the genre.
1: But I still do like the genre, especially some of the, the older ones. It's weird because I kind of even came of age during an age where like the buddy cop thing was sort of played out i can still remember one of my favorite jokes from the critic is there's a point where he's reviewing one of these movies and it's like clint eastwood is teamed up it's like okay here are your different partners a kid an old lady a monkey (laughs) it's like in a row of like how many different sorts of yeah partner they had like that's that's the thing that genre was already sort of a joke even like a post-lethal weapon because like it's the evolution of that genre is fascinating, especially doing research. I didn't even think of this, but it's true. Where do you think the start of the buddy cop genre is? Because I have one distinct movie.
0: Ooh. Oh, boy.
1: Because <laughs> like a lot of people would say like *Lethal Weapon* reinvigorated it, but it was there way before. I would argue Yeah. Weapon. But doing the research, I did realize like this makes the most sense. *In the Heat of the Night* is technically like the ur-text. Oh, well- of the buddy cop show. Yeah. yeah, it's a much more serious, dramatic like, movie. one won Best Picture at the time in 67. But it's like the urtext for every single buddy cop trope. There was a pretty good one written by Walter Hill around that time called Hickey and Boggs, which stars Robert Culp and Name Redacted, who I'm not going to mention. Now you got to mention him because I don't know the movie. It's, it's it's Bill Cosby. It's Robert Culp and Bill Cosby in like a buddy cop movie from like oh. 1972. Ooh. It's Mom because it's actually a pretty good one. And even Walter Hill, like, you can you can see in that movie, since Walter Hill wrote it, a lot of the stuff that would later inspire, like, 48 Hours, which is another great example of the genre.
0: Did you know Jay Leno was in a buddy cop movie
1: with... Pat Morita. Right, I'm I'm aware of yeah. that. In doing research, I was like, of the various bad ones I could do, I saw that, and I'm like, oh, that was sort of like the bankruptcy point, right? <laughs> there were a bunch of those, especially, like, post-lethal weapon, there were so many of those weird ones. And, and even that got to a point, like, we're going to talk about one where it's like, oh, let's do a fantasy creature of sorts... And have it paired up with a human being. Uh, we even talked about one ages ago on our show with uh, Theodore Rex.
0: Yeah, yeah, and we covered another one elsewhere with Bright.
1: Right, that's true. Yeah, that, that was a more recent example. But anyway, I think it's time we sort of, while we're talking about this specific point, it's as good a time as we need to transition into our good feature, Alien Nation. The newcomers have arrived.
0: They have their own custom, their own mysteries, and their own crimes. <laughs> Sykes, here's your new partner.
1: My true name is Stangia Sorinza. Ah, Sorinza, well, night. Now,
0: James Kahn and Mandy Patagon are headed deep inside an alien world of
1: violence, desire, and power. Alien Nation. So, Alien Nation, get it? It's, it's a pun. Yes. Uh, came out October 7th, 1988, um, and uh, was directed by Graham Baker... Um, stars James Khan, uh, as our human who has to team up with an alien, uh, played by Mandy Patinkin in heavy makeup. Um, and yeah, it is pretty much it's the classic buddy cop dynamic of one's by the book, the other one's a bit of a renegade, uh, but the twist is one of them is not in this world, in a world where aliens have been around for, like, a couple years, but now they've officially become citizens after being kind of held up for a while. And, uh, uh, but this was your pick, Adam, and, uh, what are your initial thoughts then on alienation?
0: Now, when I first saw this, when I was a kid, I absolutely loved this movie. Everything about it—the design of the the aliens, the the names they chose—you know, Sam Francisco, and you know, Rudyard Kipling, and all that—I just thought it was great. Obviously, as a child, I didn't get any of the subtext that was going on. I just saw it as a buddy cop movie. Is this
1: a metaphor for something? I don't know what you're. I don't know what you're talking about. What Was this a metaphor? for? Yeah,
0: I don't know. Ooh.
1: It's pretty subtle.
0: Watching it now, yeah, it's still kind of prescient a little bit, still relates. It's a little bit harder to watch now because of some of it, but I still actually kind of enjoy the movie. But I've seen it, and I've seen it a lot because I watched it a lot when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. especially because of Manny Patankin because I was fascinated that that was the guy from The Princess Bride. Of course, yes. What are your thoughts as a first-time viewer? I'm very, very curious.
1: Well, yeah, because I hadn't seen this before. Um, I had heard of it mostly in relation to some of these other also-rans we've kind of been talking about of, like, these buddy cop movies. Like, when Bright came out, I heard a lot of comparisons. Even when District 9 came out, I heard a lot of people, like, the few naysayers at the time were like, oh, it's just alienation. Which, I mean, technically there's a lot of, like, thematic resemblance I can see. And I'd also heard of it because it would later be turned into a TV show that weirdly lasted, like, one season and also several TV movies, uh, which is interesting that it had such a life after its one season. Um, And knowing that, even if, like, I didn't know anything about, like, the TV show that would come later, this feels like a really cool sort of blueprint for a bigger universe. There's a lot of good potential in this idea, and I really do like the sort of world they kind of hint at and reference. Um, but you can tell it kind of feels like we're leaving too much off the plate, N- not quite giving us enough room to explore this world. That feels a bit more small than it should be, I think, in this particular like 89 minute movie. Um, which say it's still fun. I-, I think particularly the chemistry between Patankin and James Con works really well because um, admittedly James Con is like the perfect example of how to be like the cool, calm, collected guy who doesn't give a single shit and then Manny Potankin being a bit more straight-laced. It almost feels like the constricting makeup helps for his character in that way. Um, I think their kind of back and forth really keeps the movie alive pretty consistently. But I did keep thinking definitely, like, I would want to see expanded more rather than this kind of truncated one we got here. It feels like it's a whole season of TV in 89 minutes.
0: Yeah, I, I can't disagree. It had a good budget for the time. I mean, $16 million. It's a pretty good-sized budget in 1988. This to me would work perfectly if they redid it like they did V a couple years ago, or you know something like that, where they just brought back this really cool sci-fi science fiction concept that never really got a fair shake and redid it now. And now, could you imagine this now? How well it would work too?
1: Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Um, and mainly, there's kind of been like a sort of uprising, especially sort of in a post-bright world. A lot of people kind of commenting on like. Well, in a world where we kind of get this in a more natural setting of, like, oh, hey, you know, like, instead of the, yeah. this alien race, you actually have, like, black people, Hispanic people, all this other stuff, they're kind of, like, short-changed. It feels like, why are we kind of creating a whole sci-fi universe for that, when there's, like, more fruitful stories you could actually yeah, use I mean, I mean, yeah. like, other people for? I get that, but at the same time, with the story, there's so much potential. I think it's less, like, an issue of the budget, and more an issue, for me, of the direction for this one in terms of like how small the world feels because you can do like a smaller like run time but still create a whole world like another example that came out this year of sort of like a silly take on the buddy cop movie that's fucking phenomenal at building its world is who framed roger rabbit and that movie's not too much longer than this but you get a bigger sense of like la with toontown and all this other stuff being truncated whatever the, the time frame is of that movie This one just feels a lot more like, hey, it's our world, but these dudes look like aliens. Yeah,
0: I mean, I I get what you're saying, but I want to kind of address what you said, you know, where people are like, well, you don't need to make it aliens. This stuff is happening in reality. We could, you know, why not address it? Well, I get that, but on the flip side, too, I also get it where. You know, sometimes you watch a movie or go to the movies to escape the reality and the bullshit and then horrible things that are happening around you. And from for them to take, which is obviously I, I'm going to assume African Americans and make them aliens, in a way it, it's, you know, escapism, but also keeping it sort of in your head too, that the, there is shit going on. The 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 subtext or even if you want to call it it's not very subliminal in this, it's kinda of right in your face. But still sometimes that can help situations too. You know, it can maybe open somebody's eyes. It can maybe be like, well, holy shit. And they start thinking about the things that are going around, going on around them because of a fantasy sort of version of reality. And it makes them connect, you know, like I said, uh, it's a very hard thing for me to, to jump on either
1: side. Right. given we're also two white guys. So it's kind of (laughs) hard to have that. Well, no, no,
0: no. Even if I'm not, even if I'm not a white guy, I'm talking, I'm talking as far as film in general. Now, film can be a very important tool to sort of bring issues to the forefront and sort of, you know, maybe open other people's eyes and, you know, to show the ugly in the world. But film's also used to escape the ugly in the world and get away from it for an hour and a half or two hours or whatever and just literally do nothing but be entertained and not have to think about your shitty job or your dickhead right. neighbor or whatever it is for two hours. So it's hard, especially with movies like this that have such subtext, to sort of look at it from both angles, it, unfortunately, you either have to pick one or the other. Usually,
1: no, I, I don't necessarily think like I think you could do something interesting with that. I think it's more problematic, I guess, when you have some like say a bright, which I would argue has this weird turn where it's like, oh yeah, these fancy creatures have always kind of existed in our society, and it's like, no, they're on level exactly with Mexicans who are like pretty much like because there are other, they're like Mexican cops in that movie who are like, oh man, it's just like the Alamo, like we know exactly how this for you, or cop. And it's like, that was a lot more problematic in terms of what it's doing as opposed to this is like trying to well, draw more of like yeah. a direct parallel metaphor kind of thing that I can at least respect especially even at the time and I don't think that's like the biggest problem with this movie as much as like I said I think the the world just feels a lot smaller in a way that I wish they would kind of be able to expand it even just on a pure visual level I just think Graham Baker who is like a, a guy who did a lot of workman like projects very much a director for hire just kind of did a very typical buddy cop movie but only have, like, these people and the really cool makeup design to kind of differentiate it. It doesn't feel like there's much of anything different beyond, like, the very small glimpses we get of, like, here's their sports game, here's how, like, they drink spoiled milk and stuff to get drunk and everything like that. It feels like we're just on the very small periphery of a really, like, cooler thing we could expand upon.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe, but then would it be the same movie at that point, then?
1: No, it would be the same movie, you would just, like, get a bit more of a perspective on it. I feel like, if anything, my my whole thing is, like, this feels like a great pilot for a bigger series, like a pilot movie, for a larger thing we, that we could I could
0: see that, even, like, a spec script.
1: Right, or, or, or like, a TV yeah. movie that opens up as your, like, pilot for your series, which I mean, to be fair, I'm saying all this, I have not seen the frame of that TV show. I don't know if
0: that... That's terrible. <laughs> okay, okay. No, it's not good. Okay. Not good. Terrence Stamp, though.
1: No, Terrence Stamp Terrence is fun. Stamp was great. Of course, Terrence Stamp's always fun as, like, a villain character. I definitely did feel like the whole Disney death thing of him being like, oh, hey, he's totally dead, guys. He OD'd. And then he becomes this bigger monster creature, which, if anything, that Mm -hmm. shows the biggest sort of like budget issues. It's just like a big Hulk and dude who's clearly not Terrence Stamp either. Like, he was not in that suit for the end of it, which I'm not surprised by. I don't necessarily know if we needed that. That feels like, oh, the movie's too short. And we gotta like pad out a bit of the the end. My my issues I'm kind of talking about only speaks to like how good the chemistry is between Khan and Patankin. I think, because I, I just, just, like, I want to see these two go on sort of more buddy cop adventures, especially sort of, like, having the alien explore our world and our crimes through his perspective, I think would be really interesting, especially considering some of the stuff they build up. Like, I love um, just him examining, like, how James Caan, like, tries to get something out of a particular uh, witness, and then he's like, hey, if you want a better sort of reaction, uh, our weak point's, like, under our armpits and stuff like that, just giving him weird, like, police tactics almost to kind of explore things like I, I would like to see more of like these two just bouncing off each other
0: yeah no i definitely agree i think the chemistry is absolutely there uh i think this is one of james khan's most like sort of light-hearted performances don't be wrong he's a cop he's tough but he's kind of silly he's kind of a goof Mandy Batakin is to me though steals the movie he's fantastic even under that as you previously mentioned super confining caked on makeup he's really really good in this i i would like to see these two characters maybe continue on to see where they go you know because like you said the chemistry is really good they they are constantly learning from each other in different ways you know sam really cares about james Con's character it's kind of sweet and then at the end you know obviously james Con ends up caring about him it's a classic dynamic that always happens the, i don't know if it's the length the direction or what but there is something missing here like maybe it isn't there isn't enough follow-through uh the ending definitely is like okay of course he takes drug and ods because they've been alluding to this drug all fucking movie so of course Terrence stamp's gonna do it now he's the goddamn incredible hulk mixed with venom and mixed with whatever the shit and water is the weakness which is kind of the the beach scene was really cool with that but still it's There is something missing here, and it's not budget and it's not acting caliber. So, I guess it does have to be script.
1: With something like a Who Frame Roger Rabbit, I like that they're able to draw at least more direct parallels that feel a a lot more sort of like detail oriented and interesting because you see glimpses of that with, like I said, some of the little behaviors that Mandy Patinkin does and even like how he gets sort of like Royd ragey almost at a certain point near the uh, climax of the movie um, but with like uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit like for example the uh, ink and paint club where they have like oh it's a secret club for toons in a world where toons are sort of prejudice against them and it's this big vibrant place that comments on actual sort of racist issues that happened at that particular time in la but at the same time it feels like oh this is like just building our world in an interesting fashion that like gives a sense of like who the tunes sort of are as entertainers and this movie the equivalent of that is like a very typical sort of biker bart but with aliens there like that's that's all the detail there is really <laughs>
0: yeah i mean that's true
1: God damn it! I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm saying all this like, like I still like this movie. No, no, no. I, I, like I, get, it. I get it. I get it. You're
0: not wrong. I I, mean, I have blinders on a little bit. I'll be honest. I mean, like I said, I grew up loving this fucking movie. But watching it again, like I I do, still find it very entertaining. But it's it is pretty heavily flawed.
1: I think if nothing else, it's also because it's a very sort of traditional buddy cop script. The plot, ostensibly, is just, oh, there's a drug that's being passed around from this alien world that kept them sort of, like, alive while they were, like, slave labor, being the carrot on the stick to fuel them to keep going. Terrence Stamp, who was, like, this big respected member of this alien race on Earth, is basically integrating it back into the community, which, given the 80s, actually, that's a lot. More relevant than maybe they even thought of at the time, considering some stuff a certain administration did in the 80s. Um, it, it feels like there's definitely interesting hints here and there, but it feels like it's sort of like a bit more diluted down for a more traditional buddy cop narrative story that we've seen before.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's pretty formulaic when you, when you get, get to the nitty gritty. I guess I can't disagree with you again, you fucking piece.
1: <laughs> of what? Don't leave me in suspense here.
0: Ass. Yes. <laughs>
1: twist i do really
0: like the world building here for what you get from it um i love the dynamic of the two leads not even upset with the idea of this drug that you know they manufacture that makes them super strong if they take too much of it that's fine whatever the water weakness that's cool it feels like the main case or whatever you want to call it is too self-contained I, I, I do think you're on something there. They could have really blown the world wide open, gone to different locales, talked to different, you know, whatever. They could have really, really done something, even got political, more political with it. But mm. as it stands for an 89 minute movie, you know, from the eighties sci-fi buddy cop movie, I still think it's decent. Like, it's not bad. It, it's not as, I don't, look at it as finely as I did when I was a child, but, you know, most things, people don't.
1: No, what are you talking about? Everything from my childhood is great, Adam, I and you can't question any of that.
0: Yeah, that's true, right? God, fuck me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, no, I, I, I still think it's it, it's pretty good, and it's it's an oft-not thought-of uh example of buddy cop nobody talks about alienation
1: pretty much i'm in the same boat with you on that in terms of if anything else i just see like so much cool potential in this universe they are kind of at least somewhat building here i only wish to see it expanded a bit further or with a, you know like you're talking about seeing more corners of this world seeing different avenues like we see that one sports game it's like what the fuck is this what's their quidditch I'm curious, what the fuck is this? Um, or, or even just like them assimilating into our, our you know, natural lives. We get a bit of that with like we see the family of the same character, which that's another thing. Just we don't get that family more. I would love to see more of like his home life. See how like his wife maybe's integrated. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, see, yeah. see some of that. That's the thing. It's just there's there's so many like cool little avenues that I would like to see them go down. And they don't quite, maybe for the reasons that we're talking about, it just feels like we kind of got to get the beats of the buddy cop story here and there. Which is why I would definitely say we did a show, like, several like months ago of, like, a good and bad movies that are worth remaking. This is, I would say, a pretty good example of one, even with some of the issues I brought up earlier. I could still see someone maybe having the best eye to kind of, like, take this conceit and do something a bit more with it. If anything, you know what it kind of reminds me of is the the makeup design. Even kind of reminds me of this, a movie like Enemy Mine, um, which I think is two thirds of like a great movie, and then the last third of it kind of dwindles down.
0: Yeah, and that's probably one of the only Dennis Quaid movies I actually kind of still enjoy.
1: Well, a lot of that is Luke Gossett Jr., though, who's like works. Uh, No, 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 all of it, all
0: absolutely all of it is Luke Gossett Jr. Uh, I've said it before. I say fuck Dennis Quaid. (laughs) But, um, no, that, that's a good call. I, I could absolutely see this being, uh, remade and, uh, and working.
1: Keeping certain key details, like, it, especially what you should not touch is scenes like them interacting with each other at James Conn's house. Like, that scene is perfect. The two of them, like, he's drinking, like, actual whiskey and Manny Potankin's drinking a sour milk. And they're, like, he's trying to teach him how to do jokes and stuff like that. Just like, no, you see, the, the pen isn't there it's a thermometer then you know where the pen is off his rectum yes exactly it's funny right <laughs> it's so funny <laughs> like i like their back and forth in sequences like that but if anything we should just had more of it, as opposed to like occasionally cutting over it's like oh look there's terrence stamp and he's doing something kind of sinister or whatever it, accentuating a plot that i don't give as much of a shit about as these two guys hanging out
0: yeah i agree good call that's why i do this
1: show it gives you that perspective I'll count that as my final thoughts if you have anything to add oh I mean
0: no (laughs) no I mean for a sort of not common James Caan performance and a really fun Mandy Patinkin if that's all you care about is acting then it's worth a watch if you like cool 80s sci-fi then it's worth a watch for that too is it great is gonna blow your mind no but it's fun
1: yeah, nothing else, just to see these makeup designs, which we didn't talk about much, but I think really do hold up quite well. It's, like, just human enough for them to integrate, but just off enough for it to be almost like the Uncanny Valley. And it's done by Stan Winston's studio, and it's a phenomenal job. Um, and it's also one of the post-Terminator projects Galeen Hurd did as a producer. So if nothing else, that's interesting. And you can tell by some of the supporting cast, like, right at the beginning, like, oh, fuck, Earl Bowen's in this movie (laughs) as our newscaster? Yeah, I know. (laughs) That threw me off for a second. Like, oh, fuck, you're in non-Terminator things? (laughs) That's weird. Um, But yeah, I would definitely still say it's it's worth seeking out a lot of potent potential there for something else to blossom. There's all sorts of potential in anything, including, like, uh, say, the ESO podcast feed for this particular show that you can queue up right after ours. Ladies and gentlemen... Put your hands together for the comedy stylings of
0: Hugh for the Borg Collective. When I was part of the Bork Collective, my Borg wife was so fat when she sat around the collective, uh she sat around the collective. <laughs> The Monster Sci-Fi Show is part of the ESO Network. It's sci-fi from a certain point of view.
1: All right, and now let's get into um, our bad film, our glorious, glorious bad film, Samaraka. Are you Fujiyama? Yes, I am. Who are you? I'm a cop. His real name is Joe Marshall. They
0: call him Samurai. You're the one that talked me into bringing this moron from San Diego to fight the ja- Japanese Katana Gang.
1: I want him dead! How did you know I'd come home with you? Let's just say, I can read eyes. <laughs> so, Samurai Cop, supposedly was released November 30th, 1991. Um, it was like it's one festival screen before it disappeared into obscurity uh, for a while. Um, it is written and directed by amir Shervin um and is star-studded cast of robert sadar one of the guys from big trouble in little china and a bunch of people you've never heard of this is uh one sort of an infamous bad movie that um i'd heard about a lot i'd seen several clips from but i'd never just sat down and watched the full thing and uh what a what a thing of beauty it is adam Oh, it's
0: a huge piece of shit, isn't it?
1: (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it's in very much the same way that we would classify uh, some of our old favorites, like a Miami Connection, way back when we covered Miami Connection. It's in that same uh, vicinity, for sure, uh, because this is a very amateurish production.
0: Oh, oh, you think? (laughs) It's one of the most amateurish fucking productions I've ever seen. It is ridiculous.
1: Ridiculous. I know you're a big fan of this one, Adam, so why don't you give people maybe a taste, if you can possibly describe Samurai Cop. Uh,
0: Okay, I can try. Samurai Cop is about Joe. Uh, the Samurai
1: Cop. The titular <laughs> Samurai really, Cop, yes. <laughs>
0: apparently he's a samurai and knows martial arts. He was
1: taught by the best samurai in Japan, Adam, as we were told early on in the film, in our first scene.
0: Which clearly he doesn't know martial arts. Uh, but... He somehow, like, he stops a drug bust, or a drug deal in the beginning, and then gets in, like, on the bad side of this fucking gang that's just a mixed match of races and weirdos, and his partner is constantly making weird googly faces behind him.
1: Don't you dismiss the great power-up officer Frank Washington, sir. And his ability to make faces at the camera.
0: This, I mean, I, I, that's about as far as I get. There's very, there's like wigs, clearly wigs underneath hats. There's multiple awkward and sex scenes. Joe really likes to wear banana hammocks. <laughs> like, it's, it's really fucking weird, dude. And he's like, it is supposedly Asian inspired house, but there's like a day bed with like one of your grandmother's comforters on it. That they're gonna bang on.
1: Excuse me. Are you assuming that is not the house of an eligible bachelor who just keeps bringing in honeys all the time? Yeah,
0: one thousand percent. I don't know eligible bachelors that have doilies laying around. Ah, uh, and it, it just the sped up like footage when Robert Zadar is trying to look like he knows what he's doing with a sword. It, it's it's fucking ridiculous. This movie is the most ridiculous thing.
1: Well, Adam, I thought it was a masterful piece of cinematic police detective work, and uh, you're absolutely 100% right. This is fucking silly as shit, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun, Um, especially considering, like, were you aware of any of the -the behind-the-scenes shenanigans that were going on with this movie?
0: No, I was not aware of any of that.
1: Yes, it, it becomes a lot more clear. I would definitely recommend watching uh, Red Letter Media, who's a YouTube channel I used to watch a lot, did a great interview with Matt Hannon, who is the star of our film, um, the titular samurai cop, as we have mentioned. And he goes into detail about the insane production of this movie, which mainly includes stuff like, oh, hey, we're going to be go out and shoot, and we have no idea what scenes we're shooting, up into and including the bit in this opening chase you're talking about where a man catches on fire and both him and the guy who plays his partner mark fraser had to literally put the guy out on camera and they just include that in the fucking movie
0: it's clearly not the same guy, too.
1: No, yeah, who was driving the car. Not at all, no. Not
0: at all. Right,
1: because he's very clearly displayed under all of that fire retardant gel. But that was an actual thing, is that, like, Matt Hannon talked about, oh, yeah, we were told right then we were going to put him out, like, right before we shot the scene, and it's going to be one take, and we have to, like, save this man from dying, basically, with a fire extinguisher that looks about the size of a thermos, and then also a blanket. <laughs> And you're an actor test yep. to fucking like, save this man's life, basically, on camera. It's insane. And just hearing him also talk about how, like, he did a lot of the shooting, and then he took a break and, like, cut his hair to get more auditions. And then he was told in December, like, oh, hey, come back, we're doing reshoots. Why'd you cut your hair? And they have a clear wig that's displayed at any close-up shot. Like, all the close-ups in this movie are clearly shot months later. And you can tell just the... The massive look of disdain on his face during that whole monologue in the restaurant is phenomenal. Oh, it's
0: one of the worst wigs I've ever seen on a guy, and anyone. It's clearly like a woman's wig that they just slapped on him and put like the loosest, shittiest looking baseball cap they can on top of it.
1: Right, and certain scenes that are also clearly shot, like, oh, we need to keep him... This together, oh, even though they don't seem to care about it in any of the fight scenes where it clearly moves or comes off. At one point, uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. it's just so fucking ridiculous. And like I said, when he is delivering that monologue in the restaurant, and he's just going on with just like, um, I, all of you motherfuckers, are gonna know. <laughs> that you can't go out there and pour these drugs to our children while you put in your Swiss bank (laughs) accounts and all this shit just the look on his face where he's just like I am so done and I hate that this is my career right now. Because <laughs> this is, like, him fresh off of, like, doing acting school. And he had done, like, one other movie before this. And it's just, like, he th- he was given the script, like, oh, this is gonna be my big break. And then he read it, and he's like, okay, this is silly, but we can make it work. And then the production happened. And then by that point, at, during these reshoots, that are inside that fucking director's office, just clearly not the same location at all of the restaurant or any other place, the same exact goddamn office, all these fucking close-ups are shot, he just has this look of, like, why did I... My parents are going to see this. <laughs> no one will see it. I don't know. No one saw it. No, not until it became the massive cult classic that it is now. With two sequels. With, with two sequels, right. Which uh, I've only seen a bit of whichever one is on Prime. I don't know if that's the... Because I've heard, like... Isn't that like a recut of the second movie? Pretty much. Right, yeah. They just took the, the second movie and just remixed it. I watched, like, the first five minutes of it. And I'm like, no... Because yeah. this doesn't feel as sincerely bad as the other one. This feels so wink and noddy.
0: Yeah, they're trying to be bad. That's why you get Tommy so as the villain or whatever. Like, they know what they're doing. Yeah. Were you able to catch the riff tracks of this?
1: Yes, I was. Um, because, I mean, the first time I didn't remember much because I was a bit drunk. Sure. I mean, the riff tracks is hilarious, uh, but particularly the whole bit that Bill Corbett goes on about, um, like, oh, I'm a stuntman who hurt myself during the Samurai Cop. Hey, Billy, did you get those drugs from your parents' cabinet that I asked you for? <laughs> all this shit. Uh, it's a very funny riff tracks. Uh, but and it, this works perfectly as a Mystery Science Theater 3000 movie because there are so many endless long pauses between dialogue.
0: Absolutely. I think It's almost like it's done on purpose. Do you think that they think that they made a good movie?
1: Well, I mean, this is a classic case, apparently, according to Matt Hannon, of somebody who is foreign. In this case, Amir Chevron is an Iranian filmmaker um, who only knew of America based on what he'd seen in movies and stuff. Much like Y.K. Kim of Miami Connection. He's like, oh no, this is movie. This is exactly what you know, Americans talk like in movie. This is this is clearly the American experience. And most of it was like very much scripted down to the letter. Um, except for like a few improvised bits, like apparently the undercover bit. With him and, the, and his partner, which is so stupid. Like, I love... This is one of the rare times where, like, a movie is intentionally trying to be funny and it circles around from, like, oh, this is so unfunny, but the execution is so terrible it comes back to being funny again with any of their, like, back and forth. Especially, we gotta talk about Adam. The fucking scene at the doctor's office where the nurse hits oh. on that hand. And <laughs> we keep getting these reaction oh. shots of <laughs> fucking Mark. Fraser just <laughs> reacting, apparently to, like, he knew no idea what specific line he was reacting to. He was just like, hey, make funny face from the director. And he's like, okay, I'll do that. Which he does, like, 90% of the movie that he's on screen <laughs> isn't making fucking faces.
0: I mean, that's, that's literally it. Someone gave you car. React someone said funny joke, react. It's it's ridiculous. So so to go back to what I said, the, the director really thought he was making a good movie. They all knew it was shit, but the director thought he was doing something good.
1: Yeah, see, Matt Hannon described many times, but just like being like, I was like at the mercy of his vision, quote unquote, to do whatever the fuck he wanted. There were also several points where he like, was kind of fed up, and he's just like, you know what? I'm just going to do stuff that he probably won't use, because, like, there's no way he's gonna use these takes. And, of course, he used every single one of those takes. Like, anytime he's doing the weird <laughs> hand motions, he's clearly doing, like, the devil horns, or um like, so many other things where he's, like, interacting off. Keep in mind, the, the guy who's playing, like, was sort of the main actual martial artist, uh, Gerald Okumara, is, like, an actual trained martial artist. And he was the guy who, like, choreographed, which is code for hey, we're gonna play this and rehearse it in, like, 15 minutes before we shoot it, any of the fight scenes. Like, he was apparently tasks which is like hey can you i guess you can do this i guess sure and w- where we get like so many of these like great back and forth fight like my favorite fight scene is like in that weird club area where like he goes up and that one guy's like hey i got him and he's got like a fucking like paddle thing for whatever reasons they have a sword <laughs> and he's gonna attack bad hand he gets kicked in the balls a bunch of times and it's like such like bad choreography that almost feels like it was this actually choreographed by like a bunch of children At a playground. It feels about as professional as that.
0: Yeah, it feels like improv fighting.
1: But it's not even a yes and, it's a yes and okay, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, this
0: is just, this to me is, it's not on the level of Miami Connection. Miami Connection to me is just perfection. But this is right up there to where if people haven't seen this, like this Jim Cotta. You know, ones like that, like, oh you gotta see this. And put it have you seen
1: Jim Kata? I'm aware of Jim Kata. I have not seen Jim Kata in full. I've seen the Pummel Horse scene. <laughs> That's I I'm, I'm I fully embrace that. Uh but I agree with you that it's not quite Miami Connection. But I think it's because both times I watched it, even with the Rift tracks, I felt this like after the last really funny sequence to me. In this chronologically, is the whole bit where he picks up that random woman and they go over to his house and he does like the happy birthday thing and all this other shit. Like, after that point, it's still funny, bad, but it's never quite it, like hits those heights. And I think that's because like with the Miami connection, you have the whole thing where it's like, oh okay, we end most of our story, but then we have the gang attack them in the woods and all the bloody carnage that happens, <laughs> like during like the climax of that movie. The climax of this one feels much more true. Like, oh, this is a bad version of like a Miami by shootout as it kind of ends on its whimper.
0: Yeah, no, it definitely, definitely does. But anytime Robert Zadar is on screen, it's just always fun.
1: Who we've talked about previously with, like, Tango and Cash, and is one of the most recognizable B-movie ba- faces of all time. Um, yeah, he's and, the maniac cop. Oh, he's the maniac cop. He's in so many other things. And uh, him, his presence here, it's weird how he feels too good for this. I know. <laughs> the star of Soul Taker feels too good for this, <laughs>
0: I know, you're 100% right. You're watching, you're going, oh, Robert, <laughs> you should have sunk to this level. I, I just love that the hospital scene in general, too, where he sneaks in with her in the bed. It's like, come on. Or she sneaks him in, then. Right, and, and, and him. The,
1: very subtly in that giant fucking bag, that the only thing that could hold his fucking head... His massive head is that fucking, like, weird wastebasket thing they stuff him in, and then he cuts out this head so succinctly, just, like, one slice of the katana, and then it's immediately off. I know,
0: and there's just gore everywhere. They don't even get, like, close to getting out of there. (laughs) When they're, like, leaving... They're making it so obvious that they just pulled some shit, like, all over the place.
1: And, like, Robert Zark clearly has gore on his fucking smock and shit like that. <laughs> and, he's, and they're, like, escaping, and I love also something we haven't talked about, the dubbing of this movie. The amazing oh dubbing God. where you have, like, the two main stars do their own dubbing, uh, but every yep. other voice is Amir Sevron having to, like, pour that, up, like, Hey, what are you doing? What's that over there? How's oh, this going? <laughs> right down to, like, one of the other great examples of this is that random scene where uh, Matt Hannon is talking to the guy who's, like, looking at the film like being developed. It's like, yeah, yeah. I don't know why you need footage of a, a mobster's house. That's actually um, fucking uh, Mark Fraser, the partner, dubbing over that old white guy's voice. <laughs> and you can clearly uh. tell it does not sound at all like an old white guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you couldn't get some dude off the street real quick to take care of that for you.
1: I know apparently they couldn't afford it clearly like there's so many points apparently where like as production kept going certain things kept getting lost and that's when he noticed that like oh this is a very amateur production where it's like oh hey where's our boom guy oh he's not here anymore hey can you shout your dialogue
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is the best movie ever made
1: oh <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean there's, there's so much that right down to the um Sega Genesis fart score throughout this whole movie uh,
0: it's the worst <laughs> it is the fucking worst this is definitely one of those movies where not it's like nothing works in this movie like period there's nothing good about this movie yet for some reason it's it's so charming because of how bad it is and you know somebody really thought they were making something cool It's just, it's just, it misses on every fucking possible level it shoots for. It's so bad.
1: Yeah, even even down to, like I said, like, the, the weird thing about how, like, the comedic repartee still manages to be funny bad, because, like, we've talked about before, seeing somebody, like, try and be funny is usually death. But in this case, they're, like, so invested, like, no, these jokes are gonna fucking work that they do stuff, like, whenever they're talking to the police chief, which is, of course, a staple of any of these buddy cop movies, it's like, oh, I'm the, the the police chief is, like, ah, getting so pissed off, and they, like, grill him to the point where he's just like, oh, I'm so tired of you guys, and then, uh, fucking Mark kisses him on the head, he's like, how dare you do that? And then the scene goes on forever. (laughs) The police chief's just like, I'm pointing, still pointing. Alright, I'm done pointing. Mm. <laughs> and we're still going to go, okay, I'm going to sit down. Alright, fine, I'll sit I, down. I, I,
0: I'm going to okay, smile. I'm, gonna I'm
1: smile. Gonna smile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now I'm going to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things where it's just like, oh, any reasonable person would have cut so much earlier than this. And it's like, nope. We're going to keep going.
0: <laughs> That's the thing about this movie, though. If you were to cut where it should have been cut, you'd get a 15-minute movie. That's true. There's a lot of that. <laughs> ridiculous. The the super far away footage of them parking cars and walking and stuff where it's like, they obviously didn't have a fucking permit. (laughs) Like It's so clear. It's ridiculous. And yet you can still perfectly hear every word they're saying. They're like half a mile down the fucking road.
1: or how many times people like get horribly maimed and they have to like react after a second like the guy who gets run over during the big freeway chase at the beginning it's like oh no running him over and then it cuts to him he's got blood on his knees and he's laying there still and you can clearly see where someone said like and go and he's just like oh god no
0: (laughs) (laughs) the the parking lot fight where i mean he's just hacking limbs off and shit like it doesn't even matter like you're a fucking, you're a fucking cop, dude.
1: Like you can't be do, doing this. I just love this is all happening at this restaurant, which we kind of talked about the monologue that happens earlier. But there's so many other like that. The weird trajectory of that scene is so fascinating. Where it's like the the villains are having the weird like breakfast seafood meal at this restaurant. Then Matt Hannon comes in and talks them down, and then they leave and they talk to the weird flamboyant waiter. Like, her father owned the restaurant, but then he died. Oh, he killed himself? Yeah. It's weird, light, free, fun little bit of just like, oh, we're talking about this guy's suicide. Isn't it fun? are we having fun here? And then they go into the parking lot, which gets horribly shot up. Murder everywhere that's going on in this fucking parking lot scene. And then she's like, oh, man. Because it's time to continue the case? <laughs> <laughs> this all happens in the span of, like, ten fucking minutes.
0: Forensics will have a field
1: day with this. <laughs> a guy threw a grenade under a car and exploded <laughs> twice. I, know.
0: I absolutely love like, the head of the main bad guys, like uh, their gang or whatever, with his fucking mullet and mustache.
1: Oh yeah, and he has one of the great I, monologues too in this movie. just like, I want his head on my piano so people know not to mess with me. I'm <laughs> forever about this just, just yeah like so I want many... his head
0: at my piano it's so badly dubbed
1: oh my god there's a lot of mullets and mustaches Robert Zadar's got a mullet uh, yeah you know, it, it's it's the late 80s early 90s it was prime time for that
0: I can't stress enough though for for anybody listening if you've maybe not seen this movie because you've heard it was so terrible Hey, you're right it's that terrible but B, it's that terrible in such a beautiful, fun way.
1: Yeah, like if you're a fan of any of the movies we've talked about, like Miami Connection or The Room, like these so famously funny, bad movies, this fits like right in that pantheon.
0: Uh-huh. Absolutely. It's 1000% worth a watch.
1: And by the way, also consider like we're describing all these things about Samurai Cop, it doesn't really capture the weird, beaverish frenzy. Of this fucking weird-ass movie that we can't even describe with words that are so beautifully presented. Like, Matt Hannon's super red face when he's fucking fighting Akamura. Oh so bad. He's so... Like, all of the blood in his body is in his face. Like, it's completely seen mm-hmm. down in every other fucking part of his body.
0: That's literally what I was gonna say. We can describe these scenes as much as we want. The facial expressions that these fuckers are pulling off in these scenes... It's, it's the most bizarre shit you've ever seen. Like Robert Zadar just has one facial expression, which is wide. But he does,
1: <laughs> he does it very well. God rest his soul, that's true. God rest his soul, but Jesus God Christ. God rest his soul, his beautiful, beautiful giant-ass chin.
0: Giant-ass chin. But, uh, it's just their climatic and I'm using air quotes, Sword fight. <laughs> where it's like they clearly don't know what they're doing neither of these guys have any idea how to use a sword oh it's so good
1: yeah yeah and it's on amazon prime right now definitely recommend if you have that service to just stream it at your soonest possibility where you can like either do it with a bunch of friends or you know by yourself it doesn't matter it's uh it's, it's so massively entertaining And I guess that my final thoughts pretty much are just that like it it fits under the pantheon of like so bad they're good movies that like so many movies like have been marketed as and try to be but this is like the uh, one of the few truly pure examples in the canon it it, uh-huh. it definitely is one of those that deserves if anything more love than some of the other ones like a room while it's still so much fun we've talked about previously on the show how that one feels a bit more slow and gangly and awkward this one despite how gangly and awkward it is it's like a breeze to watch the only times where you'll be like oh this is kind of slow is when you're having to go back and repeat things that you're like wait that didn't just happen you're gonna use your mm-hmm. Amazon fucking 10 second back f- function a lot watching this fucking movie Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Because you're like, did I miss something? No, you didn't.
0: <laughs> I uh, I absolutely echo everything you just said. I, I think as far as the so bad it's good uh, movies, this this deserves a you know near the top credits because it's not trying to be so bad it's good. They weren't relying on it to be so bad it's good. They haven't come out since it's come out and be like, no, we were purposely trying to make a a bad movie. You know, it's just it is what it is. Like Miami Connection, like this, they made a movie. It was a foreigner who made a movie that he thought this is what American movies are like.
1: This is my lethal weapon. This is clearly like as good as like Mel Gibson, Danny Glover chemistry.
0: One thousand percent, and he thought he really nailed something here, and it just failed. Uh, but the, you know, like like I said, on the flip side, then you got Tommy Wiseau, who thought he was making an American movie, but then come out, no, I purposely made a bad movie. Fuck you. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You're trying to keep your five minutes of fame going, which is which is fine too. Whatever. I can't make a movie. I'm not some weird, fucking Transylvanian billionaire or whatever the fuck he, he is.
1: Somehow con people into spending six million dollars on this budget? <laughs> good for him. But um, it's it's no Samurai
0: Cop is definitely uh, near the top. I'd, I'd easily throw it in the top five of the best. So bad it's good movies.
1: Though we still would say Miami Connection keeps its crown at the very top amongst oh, oh, movies yeah. we've covered on the show.
0: Oh, without question. Yeah, without a way to know there is no Dude, the guy getting the mail with his underwear hanging out. Like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? <laughs> it's a message from my father. Yeah. <laughs> my
1: father. My father! Oh, we talked about that. Like I said, episode two. Can you believe it? It's been, like, nearly two years since we fucking did an episode. Holy shit, boss. Right out the gate with our best bad movie we've ever done.
0: I don't think it's... I don't, I don't see anything trump in it,
1: man. I really don't. Not, uh, unless you loyal listeners out there can recommend something that might dare to oh, yeah, try and topple please. Miami Connection, please. And we'll consider it in our bank of movies to cover for future episodes, uh, you know, our picks. So we'll be doing that later on in this episode. For two uh, good movies and two bad movies each of us have. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, we got some feedback to share because every week on at Pod on both Facebook and Twitter. We ask you all to share your thoughts about like, hey, what are the good and bad examples from this topic that we're doing for the episode? And so uh, we had a few people share their thoughts. Uh, first, James Rodriguez says, uh, The nice guys and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang are terrific examples of the buddy cop duo, where Shane Black tends to succeed. Hot Fuzz is also a pretty damn tremendous example, utilizing Nick Frost and Simon Pegg brilliantly. Um, as for bad, K-9 with Jim Belushi acting opposite a dog as a uh, less... Charisma than his co-star, which I've, I've never seen. K nine. I've seen. Have you seen Top Dog mm-hmm. with Chuck Norris? Yep.
0: <laughs> yep. I've seen Top Dog. I've seen K nine. I've seen Rintin Ten K nine Cop. I've seen Turner and Hooch. I've seen all of those.
1: Oh well, you're so you're you're the true connoisseur of dog and cop cinema.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: I was tempted to do Top Dog. Because if nothing else, if you don't know what Top Dog is, it's Chuck Norris and a dog. And you figure, like, oh, this is going to be a lighthearted romp. Their villains are a bunch of white supremacists that are trying to, like, blow up a fucking school, like, fair or something like that. That's <laughs> that's the villain in this, like, Chuck Norris is teamed up with the dog movie. Like, oh, my God, he just tore up my couch. Uh, now what do we going Oh, yeah, stop the white supremacists from killing children. <laughs>
0: that is so ballsy. What a no, ballsy yeah.
1: movie. <laughs> yeah, no, Jesus exactly. Well, you, you can't say that about many Chuck Norris movies, for sure. Oh, or dog <laughs> movies. Or that's true. No, Air Bud didn't go to that length. I know, there's so many straight-to-video sequels, maybe. Is that one of the Air Buddies yeah. ones with the little tiny puppies? Have to stop white supremacists? Yes.
0: Homeward <laughs> bound the sequel, the area in front. Look, it's,
1: it's just, this is insane. <laughs> Uh, but you know on the flip side uh, James is talking about uh, Shane Black obviously sort of like the king of that Um, and it's such a bummer that you know Predator's probably going to stall his career for a bit because I'd love to see him do more fun stuff like that
0: you know when I saw the nice guys I-, I think the hype sort of built it up too much for me and I've only seen it the one time but I do want to revisit it but I do remember thinking that Ryan Gosling was the shit in it
1: that that scene where like Russell Crowe encounters him in the bathroom the door keeps closing on him It's such brilliant physical (laughs) comedic acting. It's so so uh, ingenious.
0: And obviously, Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang was, you know, my alternate choice. I think it's a fantastic, fantastic movie.
1: Yeah, really the movie that started the Robert Downey Jr. comeback more so than even, like, well, an Iron Man, like, solidified it, but, like, that and Zodiac were the two movies where it's like, oh, he actually still can act. He isn't, like, completely drugged out and insane. As opposed to, you know, cut to now. Uh, well, we're recording this the week of Doolittle coming out.
0: Oh boy! <laughs> oh no boy!
1: But yeah, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang did such a great job of like getting him, and also it was such a good like spotlight for Val Kilmer after like a decade or so of like being in like really lesser movies, like almost like he I think he was doing straight to video movies at that point, and then like this comes about like oh my god, he's so like vibrant and fun as this the Gay Perry character. It works so well, and then unfortunately just kind of. Went back to doing lesser stuff after that.
0: Dude, I've always thought that he never really got to the heights that I think he could have been.
1: Which, mainly was partially self-sabotaging his part, if you consider some of the oh, stuff yeah. that, like, happened. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know after his, like, especially his uh, recent cancer treatment, I'm not sure how, like, big and, like, lively his career can be from here. But, like, after that and also MacGruber, I wish he would just do more, like, fun comedy roles. Especially fun, like, dickish villain comedy roles. He would be yes. perfect for it.
0: Yeah. yeah, he was really funny in McGruber.
1: To keep going with our feedback, though, Kara uh, Holden says, uh, Best ones are obviously The Weapon, Beverly Hills Cop, Nice Guys, Kiss Kiss, Bang Bang, etc. Worst ones, I would have to say, are uh, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, Showtime, Taxi, R.I.P.D. I, I have a controversial opinion with Beverly Hills Cop. I think 2 is the best one of that franchise.
0: Uh, I'm 100% with you. I think they leaned
1: more onto the comedy in the second one.
0: Gave all the characters a little bit loose, looser uh, personalities, and it, I think it really worked a lot more.
1: And, and it also helps that like, compared to like, Martin Briss kind of shoots the first movie very flatly, just to like really display Eddie Murphy's like, comedic back and forth, you have the addition of like, Eddie Murphy's fun back and forth with people, and then Tony Scott shooting the fuck out of it, and it looks so great. Bradley Hills Cop 2 is one of the best shot, like, buddy cop comedies ever. It's so good.
0: Tony Scott, man, that dude knew how to fuck him. A camera. He was really good. He was under, He's underrated. Tony Scott.
1: Very underappreciated. I agree. Yes. Like he, he um, often got dismissed for doing dumb movies, which he did. Like no, no disputing that. He did a lot of dumb
0: movies. Well, he did a lot of dumb movies, and it was also you know his brother's more famous,
1: right? Of course. But then you get stuff like you know Beverly Hills Cop* two, or like *The Hunger* is a super underappreciated movie, or *True Romance*. *True Romance*. *Man on Fire*. I think is Denzel's best performance. I love honestly, such a good movie. Yeah, we definitely need to cover some Tony Scott movies in the future. Even
0: Domino looks good. It's not a great movie, but it looks great.
1: That's one of the ones I haven't seen.
0: Well, you probably never will, so uh, go fuck yourself.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, um, to... Keep on going with our feedback. Uh, Louis A. Ramirez says, I'm going to recommend Freebie and the Bean, which may be the prototype of the action buddy cop movie. Um, As for some of the least favorites, I'll say uh, City Heat and The Rookie. I guess Eastwood plays better with partners who die or get grievously injured. Oh, and I also enjoyed The Hidden, which is kind of a twist on the genre with uh, one half being an alien and all. Um, Plus, you get a tiny scene with Danny Trejo as a jail prisoner with a loud mouth.
0: Yeah, The Hidden is really good. Have you seen The Hidden?
1: I have not seen The Hidden.
0: That's a really good movie, dude. I, I definitely recommend the hit. It's an alien and human, you know, partnership in the fact that the alien's almost like a symbiote inside of it.
1: So it's like All of Me, but as a buddy cop movie? Yeah, basically.
0: Well, That funny, sounds great, okay. Really,
1: <laughs> it's really fucking violent,
0: too. It's a good movie, though, man. I really enjoy the hit. And the rest of those, a lot of those, I, I don't know that I've seen some of those that he mentioned.
1: Yeah, Free Bean and the Bean, I know, is one I've heard of before. That's the one, it's um, James Kahn of Alienation. And uh, Alan Arkin is his partner? I've heard that sort of, like, laid a lot of the groundwork for the later Buddy Cop movies, because that was, like, 1972, so it's a really early one. I'm only curious, if anything, because young Alan Arkin is so fascinating to me, because, like, I, that dude never looked young in my lifetime.
0: I was going to say, yeah, you can only picture old Alan Arkin. It's the same way I am. I don't want to see young
1: Alan Arkin. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> creep me the fuck out, man. I'm going to have nightmares. Like, that might work for some cases. Like, have you ever seen Wait Until Dark the movie with Audrey Hepburn? where she plays the blind lady and he's, like, the guy home and baiting, like, while she's blind?
0: I think I have, but it's probably been forever.
1: That's a very good movie, nothing else, because he is terrifying in that movie, which is so weird, because it's fucking Alan Arkin. <laughs> it's like, you no, know, you're Little the Sunshine, Grandpa. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, you're the guy from the Rocketeer. Stop it. And then, um, previous guest, Jonathan Habden-McHale, at Black underscore Gendo, says, I legit like the first two Rush Hour movies. The other guy's is a buddy cop classic, People Need to See Again. Um, I don't know which is worse, R.I.P.D. or Bright. Either way, they're both awful. I will say R-
0: R.I.P.D. is worse than Bright. I, I honestly think so. Uh, R- R.I.P.D. is unwatchably bad.
1: This is the one with which Jeff are? Bridges and Ryan Reynolds and Kevin Bacon, right? Which it's I've heard men in is...
0: black but with ghosts.
1: Right, right, right. That's what that's what I've heard. I saw the the trailers and stuff and didn't know Kevin Bacon was mm-hmm. in until I like read a review. It's like, oh, they really—he wanted to be hidden from any marketing material on this, and that's and that's Kevin Bacon.
0: <laughs> nor, did, right, and nor did you know it was based on a comic book. The R.I.P.D. was a big dark horse sort of deal, and uh, no, we're not going to even mention that because it's just—it's bad. It's really, really bad.
1: And you know, my thing with like the Rush Hour movies. This is weird. I've only seen the third one, and only under extenuating circumstances where I was really trying hard as a kid to sneak into Rob Zombie's Halloween, and I got kicked Uh, out of there, so then I saw Rush Hour 3.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you got to see the first two, man. They're fucking great. The first one especially still really, really kind of holds up. Another seems like a missed opportunity, Chris Tucker and Rush Hour. The first one and the second one is so fucking funny and so quick and smart, and the chemistry between him and Jackie Chan, I mean... It's really, really palpable. It, it's, those are good movies, man. I agree with Jonathan. If I were you, well, I'm not, I'm not you, but I'm going to recommend that, yeah, check them out. You might like them.
1: Yeah, I've only been kind of detracted from them just because of the, the Brett Ratner of it all. Yeah, I know. God damn it. What, what are some other like buddy cop movies that maybe weren't mentioned here that you'd want to spotlight, Adam?
0: Well, I mean, a lot of the big ones were hit. Obviously, Lethal Weapon.
1: Have mm-hmm. you seen Lethal Weapon? Yes, I've seen Lethal Weapon 1 and 2. I might even be more leaning toward 2. I think 2 has a lot of, like, the, like, interesting, like, funners. That's, that's one of the better examples of, like, a sequel, yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's a really good sequel. And, I mean, we already covered one of them. Like, Tango and Cash, I think, is a great buddy cop movie. Running Scared with Billy Crystal and, uh...
1: Gregory Hines. Very good one. A very oh, good one,
0: yes. a Great one. Uh, the last Boy Scout, another Shane Black one. Very underrated. Uh,
1: Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans, I never would have imagined working together. And
0: it's so good. Exactly. Cool. And, and apparently they hate each other. Hate
1: it. Hate not it. shocking at all.
0: No, of course not. Uh, I mean, but there's a lot out there. I love that Hot Fuzz got the mention because Hot Fuzz is great. One
1: of my favorite movies of all time,
0: yes. It's so fucking good. One of my favorite Will Ferrell movies is The Other Guys. I think The Other Guys is absolutely hilarious, and I think that's another really good send-up deconstruction of the buddy cop movie. I, I think that's a really, really well done.
1: I'll only add two, because I do agree with like so many of those choices there. But one that uh-huh. I think is super underrated um, from uh, the brother of the guy who was recently nominated for uh, Three Billboards, John Michael McDonough, uh, the movie The Guard. Starring Brendan Gleeson and Don Cheadle? I've heard of it. I haven't seen that, though. So good. Such a phenomenal movie. Um, Where Especially, like, like, Brendan Gleeson is a full-on corrupt, shitty cop. And they don't shy about the fact that he is such a piece of shit. If anything, it does a better job of kind of confronting a shitty cop character uh, than the Three Billboards movie does with fucking Sam Rockwell, but he won an Oscar for it. What the fuck ever. Fine. I have no uh-huh. with that movie. Anyway, uh-huh. but um, also, I think one that got a lot of shit at the time, but I recently watched like last year, and I I think deserves a lot more credit uh, Miami Vice, the movie that Michael Mann did with Colin Farrell and Jamie Foxx, I think is very well done. It's much more of like a traditional cop yeah, drama than Buddy Cop, but it is mm-hmm. like there's some fucking great electrifying sequences in that whole movie. It's, it deserves a lot more credit.
0: Oh, I completely agree. I think you figured this out. I think any constant listeners, I'm a huge Michael Mann fan too. You know, one or two more that to throw in there, a seven. The funnest buddy cop movie of all time. But Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman do have good chemistry together. And then the only one, other one I can think of that maybe doesn't get mentioned is, uh, well, it does get mentioned, but I don't think it's considered in the pantheon of buddy cop movies is the French connection.
1: Yeah, people don't give enough credit, especially Roy Scheider is not really talked about in that movie. He's so good. But yeah, he's no, he's again.
0: really good. as Russo.
1: And you got, like, a nomination for it. It's just like, oh, fuck, you, you like, basically created the sidekick cop character um, in that movie. Yeah, that's a tremendous pick. Yeah. And what a hell of
0: a movie, too. Especially oh, yeah. that movie basically gave us Gene Hackman.
1: And he has one of the most iconic car chases of all time underneath uh, the fucking bridge, or the train yep. tracks, yeah, yeah, in Chicago. Yeah, the subway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever, the, 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 the mass transportation,
0: whatever you call it. It's not the thing with the wheels. You <laughs> fuck yeah Fuck <laughs> you.
1: Uh, well, us two salty cops need to like get off the case. Uh, as soon as possible so we want to thank you all for that feedback we also want to thank chris oliver for the intro and after music used on the show listen to more fist music chrisoliver.bandcamp.com thanks to amlis carter for the art that we use for our show as the logos and such and uh, you can find us as i mentioned on at dedb pod uh, on facebook and twitter or uh, you can also uh, email us feedback uh, double edgedoublebill at gmail.com and i do my own individual musings on at not the who's tommy on twitter and instagram and uh, i also do some uh, writing at marianitomas.wordpress.com uh, where i do reviews and stuff and i also do some satirical superhero news over at true superhero fans.com uh, i just would have put out an article recently about the Gambit movies totally happening with a series of updates about how it might not actually be happening <laughs> and uh adam you, you got anything to plug
0: I'm still kind of working on uh, the ghoulish gourds. It's facebook.com slash ghoulish gourds. I've been a little bit backlogged lately, but I, I'm still cracking along. Uh, if anybody wants to reach out to me on there and commission a piece, I'll cut you a deal. Say you heard it on the show, and then other than that, I am fucking nowhere. I am a goddamn ghost on the internet, and I love it. Fuck you guys and your Snapchats and your Zemas and your hula hoops.
1: Oh, and your Quibbies and all that, yeah. Your chat roulettes? Play Russian roulette like a human. If you want more great commentary on the modern digital landscape like that, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, and other podcasting platforms. In fact, if you go to YouTube, I finally organized the YouTube channel for the first time since we fucking started. And I created a bunch of playlists so you can listen to all our 2018 episodes in one playlist, all our 2019 episodes, and all the 2020 shows that'll be... Coming out as things go along, I'll make sure to keep that updated for all of you and we do apologize some of the shows uh, didn't transfer to YouTube because of just some issues with Podbean. Um, and displaying them outright, but I do have links in the description for the episodes that couldn't be on the, the YouTube channel uh, just due to some of those errors. Apologies for that. Uh, but if you're listening on the ESO Show uh, Network, uh, why don't you uh, queue up some of our other episodes on that Podbean app that uh, weren't you know, put out there uh, at the first 67 episodes or so. Um, and uh, if you just rate, review, or share the show around, we would really appreciate that because it gets us more visibility on the digital landscape that Adam cannot be found on.
0: Plus, I really want to know that we're either one of the top or the top show on the ESO. That's what I want to know.
1: You really? We just want dominance in the ESO hierarchy. Yeah, I really want dominance
0: because then I'm going to send myself in like a like a furry suit. Maybe not perverse. That's a little wrong.
1: I, I don't know but why it's... we need to be into. Do did you have a fox outfit ready? Is this the secret? Are you are you coming out, at him as a furry? No,
0: I don't have a fox suit. What's wrong with you? It's an English bulldog suit
1: i'm sorry to misrepresent your fursona out there for the public mr teacup mr teacup <laughs> mr mr adam thomas aka mr teacup uh for all of your furry convention needs i look at his schedule <laughs> now adam we are going to do our picking for next week uh because recently the academy award nominations came out and not too long we're going to be having the oscars a really truncated award season because that's the first weekend of february And usually they aren't until, like, the first weekend of March or so. They're really, like, trying to get it out there. You know, last year we did um, an Oscar show where it was about Best Picture winners specifically. We decided to vary it up a bit more because we like talking about the history of the Academy Awards. It's interesting from a film perspective. And uh, we decided to talk about Academy Awards Darlings, which, keep in mind, the definition of that is basically a movie that had at least three or more nominations at the Academy Awards because it's really weird to like look back and like oh that movie got nominated for like nine Oscars what the fuck like we were just talking uh-huh. about Doolittle the original Dr. Doolittle nominated for nine Oscars that's weird because it's terrible
0: it's an awful film
1: yes but uh, you even if you're maybe not as big a fan of like the modern awards season it's fascinating to go back to the history of it of course Adam right
0: absolutely I mean I don't think you could be consider yourself a fan of film and not revisit the past Academy Award winners I mean for a lot of people, and myself included, that's maybe swayed your decision to see certain movies that maybe you wouldn't have seen or cared to watch before.
1: That's true, yeah, there are plenty of movies I never would have seen if I wasn't on the quest. Like, you know what, eventually before I leave this mortal coil, I want to watch every Best Picture winner.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I want to do that too. I mean, there's some that I've already seen that I don't ever want to watch again. That's true.
1: <laughs> there are plenty. <laughs> have you seen Green Hook yeah. yet?
0: <laughs> no. No. No, but before we do our picking, can I can I say yes, that depending on what you pick, you're going to be really mad at me, I think. Oh. <laughs> depending on what the options.
1: That That's very interesting, Okay, because uh, I have the two good picks, and you have the two bad picks. Yeah. And as we said before, uh, we've assigned both our movies number two, one, and ten, and so each of us will pick a number between one and ten for the opposite choices, and that gets us whatever closest one. So let's just start off with the good news, Adam. Uh, for my two good picks, number between one and ten. I'll go ten. Alright, at number eight, I had a movie nominated for ten Oscars, won four of them, uh, didn't win Best Picture at the time, but uh, has become even more relevant as time has gone on, 1976's Network.
0: Oh, what a good movie. I've been meaning to revisit that, too. Same, that's, a- that's really why that's I had it here. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, that's great. What's your other choice?
1: Uh, at number seven, I had The Apartment which was nominated for 10 Oscars, won five, including Best Picture. I've never seen that. I I love that movie. It's one of my favorite Billy Wilders out there.
0: Oh, boy. Okay, so, uh, gun is in your hands.
1: Hmm, all right, it's time to make my shot for the finale of this buddy cop actioner. I'm gonna go with number two. Oh, no. Oh, no?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I gotta ask you a question. Okay. Is this real life? Or is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide, no, oh, God. From <laughs> yeah, dude. You yeah, got Bohemian Rhapsody.
1: Oh man, you know what? I'm at least glad that we get to talk about how shitty this movie is because I haven't seen so, it yet. Well, that's true. And so many people love it. So many people love this movie. They're made like a billion dollars worldwide. And I can't so wait it's to talk. Get to... on, people. You're excited to do that. No, not show people, but explain why this fucking sucks. I'm so glad. I, I'm filled what? with righteous anger right now, Adam. <laughs> At number six,
0: I had Dick Tracy.
1: You know, yeah, I don't hate Dick Tracy necessarily.
0: Nah, uh, hold on, don't, hold on. People like Dick Tracy because of the look and the makeup. Other than that, it's a dog shit of a
1: film. I wouldn't say it's a dog shit of a movie. I think it's a very modeled um, studio production. If anything else, it's another example where it's like Warren Beatty was not the person to play Dick Tracy. Like, at all. He's no. so a wet noodle. But, I would give credit, I think that's the best Madonna performance in a movie. Which isn't saying a lot, but I think she's, like, perfectly cast for that film.
0: Yeah, it's legitimately saying nothing, but I, I guess I have to agree
1: with you. <laughs> oh, well, so, Bohemian Rhapsody and Network. That'll be very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna talk about a movie directed by Brian Singer. Great. So... Oh, no. <laughs> well, mostly directed by Brian Singer. We'll get into yeah, that right, next time. Exactly. Uh, but until then, Adam, I guess we gotta get in our car and we gotta do our big finale chase scene. Can I put my feet out the window? <laughs> sure, and you know what? I'll see you back at my place. Finger guns.
0: <laughs> okay, bye.